Hello and welcome to the PropTech Hot Seat on iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon, the show where we explore trends and technologies driving innovation across the built environment. This show is brought to you in partnership with PropTech Ireland, the hub for innovators, investors and indeed for industry leaders. In the PropTech Hot Seat today is Arya Poor, CEO of Binaric. Arya, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Um, I really, it's very it's such a pleasure to be in on your show. It's, uh, it's great. Thank you, thank you, Aria. Delighted. And look, we always love to see an Irish prop tech, and um, because so often we're featuring uh, stories of innovators from across the world. But obviously, we love to see when people are are um, developing what you refer to off air as an Irish solution to an Irish problem, because actually. In the past, that hasn't necessarily meant a good thing, but in your case, it absolutely does. So you might just talk to our audience about Binaric and what um, what it is that the company provides. No, that's great. That's great. Um, well, Binaric is a technology company that specializes in providing innovative, innovative software solution for pro- property management industry. Um, we, are, we are passionate about um, transforming, transforming how property management is done our software um, streamlines processes, uh, improvement efficiency, and enhances overall experience for uh, property developers, managers, and also indeed tenants. Um, we believe uh, in harnessing the power of technology to make property management simpler and more um, efficient. Um, in terms of um, where we sit within the um, um, property industry, and obviously um, that was a big question, you know, where, where we really sit in, in a whole attack. Um, we, we really, um, you know, Binaric is at the, um, at, the, at the edge of technology or bringing a technology to real estate so that we can offer a suite of digital tools and platform that addresses the challenges faced by property developers, managers, HPs, local authorities here in the, the country, and also obviously the tenants. Uh, we, we're here to make the property industry more accessible, efficient, and tr- transparent for everyone, everyone involved. Very good. And uh, tell me, Aria, how long is the company in operation? We are in operation just right before COVID. So we started um, originally um, January 2020. Um, Four years ago at this stage, just about, yes. Very good. So you're just coming out of the startup stage, and I know that you are supported by Enterprise Ireland. You're part of the HSBU, um, which is always a good indicator as well. Um, Aria, how how did you come to tackling this particular problem? Do you have a background in software development? Do you have a background in housing delivery? Where where did you come to this to this problem from? Um. Well, um, I have a software background myself. I have been technologist. Um, I've been graduated from electrical engineering in uh, DIT in Kevin Street. Done, a, you know, um, technology courses in DIT and almost <laughs> got a few colleges, believe it or not. Um, worked with the big enterprise um, companies in the past, uh, big names, and um, I, I, I suppose. You know, at some stages of career, you figure out, well, I know the technology and how can I, you know, use it for something good for the society and what can I actually do? Well, my 
my philosophy for starting by NARG was about how could my background help some real problem that exists at a time or still is the social housing, the housing in general, private sector housing um, or, or supply and demand was the big issue. And that's where I wanted to add value by examining uh, what is happening. So I joined um, some housing providers to study what is happening, I partnered up with them, and, and, and literally we, we started a collaboration, a very uh, healthy partnership, understood a lot, of, um, lot of, a lot of problems, and also we identified a lot of opportunities um, which we, we are utilizing at the moment. So it's a win-win situation for us. In a way, we learned a lot, we fixed some of the problems, and uh, there are lots of issues to be fixed. Um, and that's where Binaric was born, to just fix some issues. Well, hopefully, you're really trying. Very good. No, I, I like that you understood the skill set that you had and tried to apply them to um, some of the larger social problems that we have. And, um, you know, I, I think uh, that's a very brave thing to do, actually, because when we look at housing we might know that you know second only to the cost of living um housing is is kind of the the crisis of our day and obviously usually that's healthcare um but but housing and healthcare have really been jockeying for position in recent years but in terms of housing there are so many different facets to that that it can be difficult when you're outside of it to say how can technology move this along so what made you what made you reach out to the approved housing bodies uh, well, that's where we started from. Um, that's one thing. And they were very approachable, um, very easy to work with. Um, they really wanted to fix the problem. Obviously, there a lot of them are, like almost all of them in this country, are um, charity organizations. So they want to get uh, best value for money. And also, they wanted to provide the best, um, you know, property and, you know, get as many people in the houses as possible. And how could we do that? How could we reduce the number of uh, empty properties, for example? How could we, you know, as soon as we build, we find tenants for it? How could we, you know, reducing the screening time, onboarding time? How could we maximize the value? So that's, I suppose, um, technology, it's just a tool. Once you understand what needs to be done and what information needs to be passed on to which department or how to all the stakeholders, and that's how you could organize the whole thing. Once the data is organized, it's all the actions now and, you know, utilize the information in the correct way and also making the approvals, screenings more streamlined. You know, what's not needed, let's not have it rather than just have it for sake of historical information or historical processes. So we looked at the process, process improvement. We looked at, you know, a process mapping. We looked at the legislations. We looked at what really um, needed rather than just what's nice, what is nice to have. So, well, we are the crisis. When you are at a crisis, in crisis, you need to take action. And that's what we really did. And housing associations really um, helped us and, and we also helped them um, as, as much as we could. Um, I, I think that's that's a fantastic way to articulate it. I love that you were really going in search of impact. Um, as a software developer, you know, I can see how 
process improvement, um, you know, that would be your go to. And and I know you touched on some of the problems there you're dealing with, you know, like maybe trying to reduce periods of vacancy or, you know, the things that cause that or the things that delay people yes. going in. But yes. actually, um, and I know this from the frustration of software developers that we've engaged in the past, that actually in order to do anything, you have to start by agreeing the problem. And actually that can be a really tedious uh, first step. So actually in terms of agreeing the problems, how did you go about this approach? Because I think it's a really interesting one and I'd like to understand it better so that if there's other innovators listening in or indeed other organizations and they're wondering how to uh, untangle maybe some of the, the webs that they currently have, you know, really to take it back to a starting point here. So actually, when you were sitting down, did you start with a problem in mind or was there a process in trying to understand or maybe prioritize the problems? Correct. Um, that's exactly what was coming to my mind, because, um, well, the problems exist, obviously, not only in this country, but almost in every country around the world. Some some. Some countries, they have a little bit less problem but, or more, but including Scandinavian countries, they also have still problems with housing demands and, and you know, meeting the demand and so on. But we weren't a shortage of, we weren't short, we didn't have any shortage of problems or agreeing these ones are actually problems. Um, you know, earlier on, as I became part of the senior management of um, or advisors of you know a um, few places uh, that are providing um, housing, so we agreed uh, you know, on what is the real problem, but exa exactly in, in terms of prioritizing it in a right order, so that the the tenants or you know or wait uh, people in the waiting lists um, could get a benefit as quick as possible. How could we really do that? So really, you're prioritizing it based on you know, your demand and how could you put a roof on, on top of somebody's head as soon as possible? That was number one. Number two was that, you know, how could we streamline the funding, you know, the development life cycle itself? How could we really streamline, um, you know, how many properties are we building? Where? Where are the planning permissions? And how could we streamline, streamline the approval process internally within the board of these organizations themselves? the feasibility studies and how could we put in the information um under people on the right people or uh, people's fingertips uh, rather than just um you know well we feel that we should build the houses here or here or there so as a as a software company or as even as i as individual i like to work with a you know the reality the data rather than just um you know uh, poor planning because we, we need to do that, build the properties, places that A, you know, you have a planning permission, so you don't have to wait another two years for planning permission. Um, you, you acquire land in the right place with the access to the public services, bus routes, education, and, and so on. And how do you really put all these things together? And also, you have to make sure that while these sites is going to be feasible to build, because you have a limited budget uh, as a charity, as even local authorities. Or, um, you know, now, now there's obviously LDA, it's really getting involved uh, in this kind of activities. So prioritizing what's needed for the customer and how could we build more. So basically, these two categories were the main, uh, I suppose, main categories that were dictating what should we look at first. 
Okay, and um, just I suppose I'm conscious that because you were looking at the approved housing body sector, they had the advantage of you not having to look at the demand side because their demand comes from the local authorities' housing list. So actually, um, you know, I, I so I can see that that would be that would be, um, in some way that's one of the knowns that you have as a proper uh, as a as a software developer that you mightn't have had, say, if you were dealing with. An institutional investor, because um, is it is it fair to say actually your software is uh, at this time it's only for residential, is it? Well, it's um, it's asset management, residential. Um, it's a development side of it. It's proactive and reactive uh, maintenance. Um, it's 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 all of that under one umbrella, really. Um, Very good, but it's it's primarily social housing that you were focused on initially. Um, but I know you're at an exciting stage of expansion, so you might just talk us through maybe where the company is now. Yes, um, but obviously the social housing one as was one aspect, and then um, the government announced the new scheme called cost rental, for example. So we are the software provider for cost rental for acro across the you know nationally in Ireland, and uh, we we ran all the application from the very start to to the very end so that was a new service that they brought in so we created a uh, we created a platform called select.com and uh with that we created a, such a way that um everybody had this equal opportunity um and um and there would be legislation income threshold and all would apply and um, they will see the results. So it's totally fair. There wouldn't be a black box somewhere. We don't know what's happening. So it was very fair, I suppose, to the applicants and was very fair to the service providers because nobody could ask them, you know, I know this person or I know that person. And, you know, everybody with just, you know, same situation. Regardless, regard, regarding where we're going to go here, and that is very interesting. Obviously, we are um, being supported by Enterprise Ireland um, in um, pretty much um, uh, HPSU. And we have to, as a company, we want to be growing internationally. We are really targeting um, UK at the moment. We, are, uh, we have started hiring process in the UK. We have hired two people already. We are targeting um, the private uh, um, property managers and providers or, you know, uh, PMCs and, and so on. Um, what we are trying to do is we are utilizing our current platform that we have with a minimum amount of um, um, changes to it. We are trying to provide a similar service to private, you know, applicants, tenants and so on, and also um, give them, um, I suppose, the, the fairness that our application provides so that you would have, you know, for example, in Daft in Ireland, you know, one property goes up, there would be at least 200 applicants uh, apply for it within first hour. So how do you really go through all those applications? And what method are you really using? Is it just you pick in, excuse me, anybody? Or you have, you say, well, we need X amount of income. We need A, B, and C. You put the rules up there, and uh, or you just say, we, we support everyone. Everyone same opportunity. And you create a very two-way 
information to the applicants. And if they are successful, it's great. If they're not successful, they're being told, so they don't have to be hanging <laughs> with that. So going back to the uh, private sector, we see a massive opportunity um, in private sector and a massive demand from a development perspective to support the development um, software side of stuff and the, the, the thinking fund, the asset management compliance. And as you can see, more and more landlords or smaller landlords are selling the properties, not only in Ireland, but also the UK to the biggest um, institutional landlords. So that means, you know, ultimately um, there, there should be um, some more standards um, applied to these properties, such as, you know, they, they must check the, you know, fire alarms, they must do this, they must do the compliance, they must have the insurance, and now the audit happening and so on. So based on those uh, requirements, our software makes sure the, the landlord, the service provider is, um, is compliant, and also the tenants receiving the best services as they are. If they raise a repair, you know, there's a timely manner they're being looked after. Or if they're not, then there is enough evidence to go to RTB, for example, or vice versa. Um, so everything, again, the same, same philosophy, everything would be in the same platform. And just can you imagine there is a house or a property right in the middle of the circle? Then you have the applicant, you have the tenant, you have the landlord, you have the um, service provider, you have the contractor. So all can communicate in the same ecosystem so that it makes the whole thing more efficient. And now think about that as um, you have 2,000 properties to manage. So you could reduce your cost much lower so that in a favor of not increasing the rent as much as you, know, you have to, to just keep the costs up and uh, costs down. And that, that makes it possible um, to onboard more tenants and makes it more feasible for investors or um, property owners to buy more properties and give it to, um, you know, PMCs, for example, uh, yeah. to manage properties. And, and, you know, um, effectively what you're doing is what many innovators set out trying to do and maybe came up against challenges. But so I can absolutely see the advantages in terms of streamlining, not just for the, for the portfolio owners, but for the tenants and, and, you know, I, I, the conversation across PropTech has definitely shifted in the last two years. So now I think we're much more aware of the importance of the user experience and the tenant experience. But I suppose one of the things I just would love to get some clarification around there, um, when we're talking about the tenant, that's when people have been selected. But right now, we know the challenge is that uh, demand way outstrips supply. So can you just talk us through maybe the process for where you know, there's one property advertised. Um, there are 200 applicants. Um, how does automation help that? Uh, I know you you talked about it being fair, but can you give us some details about that? Yeah, perfect. Um, I'm just going to go back to the example of cost rental. Mm. When cost rental came in, uh, was the answer to be a little bit more affordable rental property within the country. Uh, I think that was a good initiative from the government um, to help the people who are especially working really hard and they just want to rent a property. So let's say one of our 
providers at the moment they put the cost rental property up in daft or you know or on their website they get literally thousands thousands of applicants because the rent is a little bit lower and the property is being looked after and, and so on so the way that our application work is at the very beginning based on the legislation that um, you know housing agency or the power of housing has announced based on the cost rental those ones are already communicated as you know you have to pass certain criteria to just go to the next step so you know some people will say well you know that may not be as fair or it could be a little bit more improved but it is as fair as it can be because it's saving people's time to even apply if you don't qualify for something because your income you know a little bit higher or you cannot actually afford it so right at the very beginning, the people who are applying, the most likely they are, um, they're qualified. And after that, you're dealing with a mass number of you know, qualified applicants. And how do you really do? So we came up with two methods. And we also contributed to uh, with um, uh, housing authority as well at the very beginning. We, we developed this um, system uh, with a random selection that we develop our own state-of-art uh, lottery engine. So you would have, uh, let's say, 2,000 people for that applied for seven properties under the same scheme. So looks at all the qualified people randomly would, you know, would list them, and if there's absolutely no biases. There's absolutely no, um, you know, preferred, um, you know, based on any anything. Literally, the those first seven people, they look at the documentation, they do the viewing, and there you go. They, they get the property and uh, an email will be sent to rest of them, rest of people saying, well, unfortunately you weren't selected. However, you know, you can apply for the next one. We would notify you as soon as you know, a more um, property becomes available. So this has streamlined the process that people would apply. They don't hear anything back. Um, people would apply. They don't know, you know, what's the status of their application. People would apply. And they don't know why they weren't selected as opposed to somebody else's were selected. So very clear. And as I said, our application firstselect.com is pretty much is all about that. And it's focusing on that and looking at how we could do that. And one last example is um, affordable um, purchase scheme that we are running at the moment with some local authorities. That also uses the same, same method. So that what is the first come first serve? It's a very clear way rather than just you know applying through um, a paper and you submit it. You don't know what's happening now. It's very clear um, to the what's happening. As a result, I think it it does establish a lot of trust in public services, um, in my opinion, and also it brings a lot of clarity. What happens? How people get selected? Why did they get it? Why did not get it? And and so on. And I think um, it's a very fair, very good area. That's I I I'm glad that you gave the example there of cost rental because actually you know because that is such a new type of tenure in Ireland. I'm not even sure that people in the industry are as familiar with it as they might be, or, or you know they might understand the principle of cost rental and how it works. But in terms of the application and how it is um how it's uh, how these homes are assigned to people because unlike say the approved housing bodies that we spoke about earlier you know they're housing people from the local authority list 
uh, from the area uh, in which the property is situated. Whereas actually for cost rental, it is a different dynamic because you're not dealing with people off the, the housing list. And actually, I'm not sure if people are aware that uh, one cost rental is open to people who are working. Um, I, I I don't think people are aware that it's open to people who aren't on local authority housing lists. And I don't think even the industry is aware that it's allocated on a lottery system. And that's a first for Ireland. You know, we've always worked on a, you're on a waiting list. This is the number that you are on on that list. And it's something that's communicated and people talk about being on the list for many years. But actually a lottery system to a to to um, uh, assign housing. That's really new for Ireland. So I, I'm glad that you went through that. And it does actually explain that while it mightn't feel fair, there is a fundamental I, I don't know, can we call it a fundamental unfairness or at the same level of unfairness to everybody that demand just so much outstrips supply? But but just uh, because I'm conscious of time today, I really want to focus on um, I, I know that you're uh, um, that you're moving into the the uh, delivery of private space now uh, or to the private market. And that's a different dynamic. So but actually some of some of the same issues are still at play so for example you know if you're working with one of our institutional investors they have a, a property going up or one of the institutional landlords they have a property going up on the rental market they have say one property they might still have 200 applicants how right. does your system help the people trying to allocate that private property yes. How does it help them allocate that? Because we know that that's the single greatest challenge that letting agents up and down the country are dealing with. Yeah, that's a very good question. And obviously um, in private sector, because it's just um, there's no specific legislation um, for how you select the tenants, obviously. But, you know, one thing I've, I I personally found out uh, by talking to a lot of uh, even private property providers and, and so on, you know, everybody likes to be fair because it's very difficult to say yes to someone and no to someone, you know. Um, so our application at the moment, we are just about next week uh, onboarding our first um, uh, 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 private uh, landlord uh, with around more than 2,000 properties. So the way that our system also works as a first come, first serve, you know, if someone is just applies for a property submits all the documentation, you know, has done a viewing, likes the property, everything checks out. The first person gets it. It doesn't, you know, it's not a rocket science uh, rather than just like, well, I know this person down the road or I know that person. By end of the day, I think, you know, um, people have surprised me. People actually more fair than I thought they're going to be. I thought private sector probably wanted to do it in a, so many different ways, but it seems like, it's, it makes it easier for the letting agent to not be put in a very tough position. Mm, Choose mm. who's going to get a property or who's going to leave in the hostel for another God knows how long. Um, so things are shifting. People are, I, I suppose, understanding how we can streamline the situation. And if someone can afford paying the rent, and, you know, it's also according to the, you know, housing agency or government guidelines in, you know, I think is a 25% of 
income uh, it shouldn't be higher than that or they recommend it to be lower than that but by end of the day they have to follow something and then as soon as those 2000 application comes for one property you know i mean you have to handle it in a in an easy way and you know you're talking about gdpr you're talking about the personal information you're talking about you know a variety of those information and what do they really do with those information it doesn't sit in somebody's mailbox i'm just going to stop there yeah no, I, I genuinely I, I understand what you're saying, and and um, so I can see. I, look, I I believe that your ethos, the approach that you've taken here, is one that's really admirable. So um, I I'm delighted to see that you're having the level of success that that you are having. Um, and I think it's really important that that people start to tackle some of the biggest housing challenges and, and some of the biggest problems of our day and they just happen to be housing. So like from that point of view, I commend you for that. Um, so in terms of Binaric, for yourself and the team there, um, what's next? What are, you, what, what are your next moves for the next kind of 12 to 18 months? Yeah, I mean, the future of Binaric is incredibly, you know, exciting, really. Um, we, we are all excited, myself, the team and all the hard work everybody has done. We are committed to continuous, you know, in, continuing innovation and growth, and our vision is um, to become a, a global leader in property technology. And you know, we are we are well on our way um, to achieve that. Um, in in the coming years, um, we plan to expand, obviously, to uh, international markets such as you know um, U.S. and Australia and a few other places. But however, for near future. Um, we are look, really looking into the UK, um, and we, we are um, we'll be uh, introducing our solution to um, new regions and you know um, some foreign languages, maybe some European languages, and, and so on. And then uh, also we are partnering up with um, some existing partners, so so we can have an easier reach to uh, their customers as well, rather than just completing with them um if if that makes sense um yeah it's, it's we also exciting, additionally it's we an are exciting future pushing, yes exactly exactly it, we're really pushing the boundaries uh, of prop tech to offer and more advanced features very and good services and obviously such as ai and streamlining the data in a way that everybody can use it and be more digestible. Uh, absolutely. And and well done and best, very best of luck to yourself and the team now as you go through that um, e expansion process. And I suppose one of the one of the things that we say quite a lot through PropTech Ireland is that, you know, the founders we meet are generally people who come in to solve a problem. And quite frankly, when you're building up expertise across the built environment, whether it's on the urban planning or the placemaking or the construction or indeed the delivery of real estate, whether it's in the public or private sector, you're talking about an industry that has so many problems. There are decades of opportunities ahead to try solve some of these problems as well. So it feels like one problem leads to the next. The more expertise you get, actually what you realize is that it leads to the, to the next problem so um in a way actually the the expansion almost um is dictated by the problems that your existing clients and customers are having so um really interesting and and i've really enjoyed learning about um the journey of binaric and it was fascinating to get that kind of behind the scenes look at cost rental and how it's applied because i think again such a new area of, uh, of uh, such a tenure of housing for ireland is just 
It's it's a national curiosity. So thank you so much for taking the time. That was Aria Poor, CEO of Binaric. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out all of the other global real estate and construction shows on iProperty Radio. Before we go, just a special word of thanks to our sponsor, PropTech Ireland, the hub for innovators, investors, and for industry leaders. And um, thank you indeed for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode of the PropTech Hot Seat here on iProperty Radio.